0: Coming at you today, okay? And I'm just sensing a little bit of a lull right now. F You don't got time set. Okay. Alright? Let's go. Break it. Break it,
1: Glenn. Oh.
2: Woo! Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Derek Johnson and Nick Springer on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN.
0: Depend on it. Hey, what's happening? Welcome in to another edition of Rock Chalk Sports Talk. This is going to be a fun one. We have KU basketball last night. We got KU football tomorrow. Chiefs over the weekend. And we're going to be joined by Brian Haney in the four o'clock hour. Uh, but just how will KU football get it done with Andy Kotelnicki, offensive coordinator, and DJ Elliott, the defensive coordinator? How will DJ Elliott draw up the scheme here? Man, hey, I don't know. KU? DJ
1: Elliott's going to have to put in some extra work, I think, to try to <laughs> shut down this high-powered Oklahoma State offense.
0: <laughs> oh, man, Les Miles, the head coach at Oklahoma State. Yeah, that's going to be it's gonna tough. going to be one. tough to beat, dude. Oh, man. I don't know.
1: Clint Bowen, D.C. down there. Whew. He's going to
0: lock down Yeah, Kansas. co-DC with DJ Elliott. Oh, yeah. No, no, then, I'm saying uh, he's
1: a DC for Oklahoma State.
0: Oh, oh, I didn't see that. Dang. Oh, <laughs> man. I didn't see that one. Yep. Do you think Patrick Mahomes at quarterback for KU will have a big impact this weekend? He might. He might. I hope people know what we're referencing here. I don't think – I mean, you should probably tell him. <laughs> Uh The guy who's <laughs> going to be calling the game on Saturday, Tim Brando, tweeted out earlier today. Tremendous day at KU Football, visiting with Coach Leipold and his coordinators at Andy Kolnicki offensively and DJ Elliott defensively. I don't think he's deleted it yet either. No, he hasn't. I don't think he's noticed yet. Um, he's someone that I know in the past when people have like brought him up on Twitter and said his name or just said like Brando or something, he searches his own name and sees what people say. So I wonder if this will find him on the radio. Yeah. Um, doesn't matter. Do you think he listens to our show? No, not a chance. Okay, uh, NBA fans, the wait is over. Basketball is back, so tip off the season with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. New customers can make any $5 NBA Moneyline bet and get $200 in free bets if your team wins. No player props up at the moment just yet on DraftKings. I'm sure that's kind of in response to not knowing who the quarterbacks are going to be and and figuring out what they want to do with that. Yeah, I kind of want to take the first half under. It's 31 and a half for the first half. You think under? Because think about it. KU <laughs> has started slow in a lot of games this year, including so their you last game. You want the under total also then? I, I would be leaning that way, but I feel even better about the first half. One.
1: Is it still 63 or 63 and a half?
0: Yeah, the, the total is 63 for the game. But see, the first half specifically, you have the added impact that KU has started slow. And if Oklahoma State doesn't have Spencer Sanders, maybe it takes them even longer to adjust. And we've seen other times where, you know, like the TCU game where the KU defenses come play in the first half and then maybe gotten uh, a little more in the second half. So I kind of okay. like that. That might be my favorite bet so far without any prop okay. bets out there. Do you have anything you like on the game? Um, I mean... I, I think 63-and-a-half, that's a high number considering you're going to have potentially
1: two backup starting quarterbacks, two backup quarterbacks. Now, I know Jason Bean has been good, but
0: maybe under there, too. Yeah, which is, it's tough for you. I know you don't like taking the under. I don't like so taking the under. Nick's saying take, take the under. If you're an underbetter, <laughs> you don't like fun. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code KLWN. Make any $5 bet this week and get $200 in free bets if your team wins only at DraftKings Sportsbook with promo code KLWN. Gambling problem? Getting help is your best bet. Call 800-522-4700. 21 and older, physically present in Kansas. Bonus issued as is free bets, one boost per eligible game. Opt-in required. Deposit, parlay, and wagering restrictions apply. Eligibility and terms at sportsbook.draftkings.com slash basketball terms. So I, I want to preview the KU Oklahoma State game, which we will here, and we're going to do more KU basketball uh, later in the next segment but I did want to touch on a couple things with KU basketball off the top here after their game last night against Pittsburgh State. It's obviously so early in the season. It was one exhibition game, whatever. But I feel like there was enough there to make you think there's going to be times this season when the offense labors and that this could be one of the those classic Big 12 teams. Like I I think to even like the team 2 years ago that had a pretty darn good defense, especially over the last couple months of the season. But at times, the offense is going to labor to score. Did you come to that
1: conclusion after seeing KU down twelve <laughs> zero?
0: You know, <clears throat> against Pitts. I mean, the, yeah. the first The first part of it was was rough. They they started the first four minutes of the game. They couldn't score. I think after the final four minutes. Or after the first four minutes of the game, they shot like eight of fifteen from three. But those first four minutes, they weren't just missing threes; they, they were, were airballing, like clunking threes, <laughs> yeah. right? So it was bad. Um, I don't know. It, it's again, it's one game, it's an exhibition, it doesn't count and all that stuff. Well, you know, but normally
1: when you say when you say like, oh, you know, we we couldn't score in this game, yeah, think like okay, you know, they didn't score
0: as much. They scored ninety four, right? When you couldn't score, then you had zero points, mm-hmm. zero, yeah. And Pitt State is not one of these like D2 teams who's like Northwest Missouri State who like wins it every year. Pitt State was picked to finish 10th in their own conference. So the fact that you of, did labor out of, teams? out of, I think, 14. Oh, okay. okay. Uh, so the fact that you did kind of labor there was obviously not great. But again, breathe because for the final 36 minutes of the game and for the second half, you looked really good. But, and he's still won by 30. Again, even if, if they just looked good the entire game and and didn't have those first four minutes, we wouldn't be coming in here and saying, can you believe how good they are? We'd just be saying, okay, there's a ho-hum victory, right? So I guess really in a game like that, you do more so tend to come away with the nitpicky things than the positives, just because it, it's not against competition that like you're playing against 6'6 big man and whatnot. Like, what does an Ernest Uday alley-oop throwdown really show you that's going to affect other games. I told you he was going to get one. Yeah. At least. I I just think that the most interesting thing about last night, we'll go into more of the details later in in the hour, is all the problems that we might have predicted them to have, scoring the ball, having guys for go-to uh buckets, making three-point shots consistently, the center spot. I think at times throughout that game you all saw glimpses or flashes of why those worries could be real. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Now I will say Grady Dick was pretty good great dick was awesome 20 points jalen wilson kevin mcculler i think has the potential to be really really good he had a good game
0: he's gonna impact it in a lot of ways yeah Yeah. five steals in that game uh that is one thing that i came away with that ku could be a really good ball pressure team that forces a lot of like they'd be ideal to almost play in like a uh like i don't know a 40 minutes of hell like Bob Huggins press system just with with some of the guys they have and especially if they do kind of labor to score so keep that kind of in your back pocket for later okay we'll talk more KU basketball coming up later this hour KU takes on Oklahoma State tomorrow pregame with our local show noon to one o'clock with Nick Springer and Scott Chasen over at Big Mill you can come on by they got KU basketball tickets koozies gift cards t-shirts all sorts of stuff then uh, pregame one o'clock Kickoff 2.30, here, right here on your original home for the Jayhawks on KLWN. KU hasn't beaten Oklahoma State since 2007. And that was the game that was in Stillwater for the Orange Bowl team that was on, like, the ABC night game. But um, they haven't even beaten them in Lawrence since 1994. That doesn't surprise me. I mean, just look at the last 10 years of this.
1: I mean... It's the same discussion you could have with the Baylor, with Baylor, where not only has Oklahoma State beaten KU every year, they've they've dominated them.
0: They've dominated them. I yeah, mean,
1: every year it's been a blowout.
0: There, there are a few more than the bit. Like there is a little bit less cryptic of a recent series than Baylor because you have had a couple games where it was like, oh well, you are at least like semi interesting in certain regards there. But last year was it was fifty five to three. That game was over at halftime. It was over after like the first quarter it felt. I think Jason Bean had under fifty passing yards or something. Year before 47 to seven, same thing. Year before, I don't really remember this one. It was thirty one to thirteen in twenty nineteen. That's kind of interesting. That
1: seems like a very free- forgettable game.
0: Yeah, the 2018 one, it was forty eight to twenty eight, which was, if I remember right, a game that you never really were fully in because they just ran all over you with I think that might have been Justice Hill and Chubba Hubbard at the time. Uh, but Carter Stanley had a really good passing game, and that was the game that afterwards David Beatty was like not willing to commit to a quarterback, even despite Carter Stanley doing well. Um, so there were a couple in there where you were like, eh, you didn't get like completely blown out. And then 58-17, 44-20, 58-10. The one that was really close, 2014, Oklahoma State only beat Kansas 27-20 to in Lawrence, and that was the game that it was tied until Tyreek Hill returned a kick for a touchdown, and huh. that's what won them the game. Hmm. And then there was a twenty to fourteen game in twenty twelve, but yeah, pretty much outside of that, like it's 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 all blowouts. But besides those, really, too. So it's kind of like Baylor Light, what you were saying. Um, last season, probably the ugliest game of KU season either that or the Iowa State game. I don't know how much that applies this year because this Oklahoma State team. Yeah, they're a lot, it's different. A lot different.
1: Yeah, the, the defense is significantly worse for Oklahoma State. I mean, last year they had a fantastic defense. This year it's it's not the case. They've struggled in a lot of areas, uh, which is good for KU, obviously. And offensively, like we've highlighted throughout the week, no Spencer Sanders changes them a lot. I mean, they kind of almost become a different team without Spencer Sanders in there, right? Because like like you've mentioned, I think, in, during this week is – their passing game has been their strength and why they've been able to accumulate points, but that's because of Spencer Sanders. Yeah. So if he's not playing, then their biggest strength takes a very, very significant hit. And this is not a team that has really had much success running the ball either. Uh, when, when you look at some of the recent teams that KU has played in terms of their running ability, they played some teams with either, either A, really talented running backs, or B, pretty solid offensive lines plus running games. I mean, Baylor was pretty solid. Oklahoma had had Eric Gray. TCU had Kendrick Miller, right? Like, they've played some really, really tough running back committees over the past couple weeks, and for Oklahoma State, that's not the case. So, you know, when you you think about the Oklahoma game or Baylor or go back to TCU, like, and, and in the TCU game, the run defense for KU wasn't that bad, comparatively speaking, to what TCU had done to other teams. But the point still being that all three of the and all three of those games, the opponent was able to pretty much get five, six, seven yards on the ground, kind of whenever they wanted. And I don't know that that's going to be the case for Oklahoma State this week. Now, obviously, KU's run defense has struggled after looking like it was fixed earlier in the season, so that still is a question mark. But this is not an Oklahoma State team where they can just t- they can just turn around and hand it off to a guy and know that they're going to get positive yards, uh, whether it's against KU or any other defense. So. That's very interesting to me because if the KU defense can get in second and third and longs, you would think that would poise them for better success in the pass rush, better success in just stopping their opponent, and an all-around better defensive game for KU.
0: Yes. Now, we had Scott Wright on yesterday from the Oklahoman, and one thing he brought up is you know, they even brought up the idea, could Garrett Rangel, uh play in this game? And I don't know if that's. Um, that just doesn't seem like something, something thrown out there. You want to happen? Yeah, he was a top 300 recruit. He's a true freshman. You look at the drop off from Spencer Sanders to Gunner Gundy. It's a it's a small sample size for Gunnar Gundy, but 14 of 27, barely over 50 percent, 144 yards, under five and a half per throw. That's not good. Two touchdowns, two interceptions. His total QBR 38.3. Spencer Sanders' total QBR is like double that, 76 and a half. Yeah. Basically what you were saying about him just influencing so much of the offense with them being ranked 8th in the conference in rushing yards per game with the fact that their top individual runner is 10th in the conference in rushing yards per game. You look at the offense and they're putting up good point totals and whatnot and it just is because of Spencer Sanders. So if you literally take away the one thing that is kind of holding them up on the offensive end, that's huge problems for that side of the ball. The one question for me here when you look at the Oklahoma State offense, what are we going to see from the KU run defense? Because now, if, if you're talking about an Oklahoma State run offense that hasn't been as good, can you just not give up 200 yards on the ground? You would hope. You would hope. Can you hold them to 140? Well, I don't you know? know. I mean, it's our fault
1: the KU run defense is bad. I know we thought ever it was since fixed. we said they were fixed, they have not been fixed.
0: Yeah. So well, our, and,
1: we have no one to blame but ourselves.
0: And I just hope, too, that because we've seen at times KU has maybe sat back coverage-wise this season and tried to avoid some big plays against them. I would hope in a game, if it is Gunner Gundy, you kind of do the opposite. Where you say, no, we're going to try to make you beat him. We're not going to let you get comfortable. And complete easy passes. Kansas is letting opposing quarterbacks this year complete over 66% of their passes. That's by far last than the Big 12. They're ninth on defense in pass defense efficiency. In a game like this, if it's a backup quarterback, we saw the the gif of him looking shaky in, in the Kansas State game. Like shaky, play pl- shaky's an understatement. Uh, make him beat you with a throw as opposed to it being the opposite where you're basically saying we're going to try to lull you into mistake. No, make him beat you in a game like this and stop the run. Because if you don't stop the run, then all of a sudden you're going to make young quarterback more comfortable in there, and then that's how Oklahoma State wins the game. If Oklahoma State can't run the football, they're going to have trouble moving the ball all game long. But if they can run the football, that's what they're just going to do all game long. They're not a team that – like Mike Gundy is a smart – smart coach. He's, he's not going to be dumb enough to be like, "Yeah, oh, we're running it well, let's just keep throwing it out. He'll be like, okay, we'll, we'll run it 70% of the time today if we have to.
1: Which another another aspect of the KU defense that uh, we haven't highlighted as much, I mean, we've talked about it occasionally, but it's been their screen game, right? The screen mm-hmm. game for the KU defense has been bad to terrible, in almost all their games, yeah, and that's an right? easy completion exactly. for the quarterback. Those are easy ways to for a co- for a quarterback. You don't have to, to have Tom Brady in there to complete a screen. Yeah. But was, so when you look at that, you look at that two facets. Number one, you can look at the what you referenced, the 66 percent of passes completed for opposing quarterbacks. In that is that KU is allowing those plays. They've been allowing those plays to happen, right? And in large part due to what you referenced, which is they didn't want to get beat over the top, right? Like they were like against Oklahoma, they were letting Oklahoma complete those passes. The problem was Oklahoma was then getting. Eight nine yards after the catch on those types of screen passes, and we've seen it with other teams too. TCU had some couple of big plays with screen passes as well, so that's been kind of a common theme of an area where that K was struggled against, right? But but I, th- I think you're right. In this case against Oklahoma State, like that, those are the types of passes you want to take away because those are easy completions for a quarterback. They build a quarterback's confidence, and I don't want to say this is just blanketly true all the time, but also when you look at some of these other teams in the Big Twelve. And for Oklahoma State, it could be true too. They have talented, dynamic guys at wide receiver. They they have arguably better athletes than you at receiver than you have in your secondary, right? And mm-hmm. that's not that's not even a knock against the the guys in the secondary for KU, right? That's just we've we've seen it, right? Like there are teams that just have better athletes than Kansas does, right? We saw it against Oklahoma against CCU too, right? Like so, and if that's the case, what you don't want to do is you don't want to let those guys get the ball in open space off a screen pass. And so, yeah, I think when you consider all those factors. You need to adjust the defense accordingly, especially if you're playing against Gunnar Gundy, who has shown really no ability to complete tough passes or stand in the pocket and throw the ball down the field. Yeah. And so it, definitely want to try to take that stuff away.
0: You know, Oklahoma State has for so long had that like stud receiver who can yeah. get you on those deep balls, whether it was Tylen Wallace a couple years ago or you go even further back with a guy like Des Bryant and. Uh, Justin Blackman like they've had a lot of really good they don't seem to have one of those guys so again make them beat you the other thing that's interesting here on on this side of the ball we saw the tempo from Oklahoma give KU all sorts of troubles they're 20th in the country in plays per game Oklahoma Oklahoma State is fifth so if you thought Oklahoma was fast and causing KU troubles with broken coverages and guys lining up poorly Oklahoma state is even faster. And by yeah, the way, but, Texas Tech you play next week is first. Yeah, but did you think it was
1: interesting that Scott Wright who we had on from North yes. He mentioned how he didn't think they were going to if use Spencer as much Sanders tempo. didn't go. So yeah. that's
0: the big question. It's two things. If they don't have Sanders, will they use this much tempo? Exactly. Or will they be because able to. to I guess. A, you might not trust it as much with with the younger quarterback, and B, you might want to make it a more slower, lower possession game if you're trying to just run the ball and whatnot. And then the third thing is KU had the bye week. Hopefully that helped them kind of figure out how to go against the tempo. Now on the other side of the ball, the Oklahoma State defense, this was the best defense in the Big 12 last season. It was one of the best defenses in the entire country, but they lost a lot of players. They're eighth in the Big 12 in rushing yards allowed per game. They're ninth in points allowed per game. They're last in uh, passing yards allowed per game. They're seventh in pass defense efficiency against them. So like, this has not been a great Oklahoma State defense so far this season. And, and I mentioned this earlier this week, and I think it's true, the fact that all these teams are so close together in the Big 12 that you could have one bad week like they did against K-State and you drop from, like, fourth or fifth and something to, like, eighth, which that's probably true. But the one thing that has kind of saved them defensively, teams are only converting 26% of third downs against them. They have the best third down defense in in the conference. I don't know if that's luck or if that's just having a good package or personnel of players to stop those third downs. KU has the best third down offense in the conference. So if you can take away that strength for them, the rest of the defense hasn't been so good.
1: Yeah, and what's the thing that has allowed KU to be successful on third downs throughout the season? It's been establishing the run game. So... Devin Neal breakout game mm. question mark
0: maybe hmm. well I mean it's what you, just a what matter of the problem is I just I don't have confidence that he's going to get more than like 15 carries in a given game you know so it's hard to have I, I guess he could have like 150 yards on 15 carries have that's a couple a, big that's a breakout yeah that would be it just it, it makes it a little bit harder, and I'm not saying that's like the wrong thing to do. I'm I'm just saying from a standpoint of that is the usage, and they try yeah, to use different running backs. So and- the, the
1: point being that that Kansas does not have the the best third down offense in the conference because they are this electric. You know they can throw it all over the place, right? They had the best third down offense in the conference because they did such a good job, especially early in the season, of getting to third and three, third and four, third and two, mm-hmm. right? And in the in the in their losses specifically like Oklahoma, they kind of went away from that. And even against Baylor, they, they had some third-down longs too. So I think the question for KU here is, knowing that Oklahoma State is, is a good third-down defense, I think you need to put more emphasis on winning first and second down so that you're in a position to convert easier, shorter third downs.
0: Special teams, I did want to mention Oklahoma State's been awesome in that regard. They have two return touchdowns. They uh... – are getting about twenty six yards per kick return. K State's at twenty four. No one else is at twenty two or higher. They're fourteen of fifteen on field goals. Um like they're eighth in the big twelve in yards per play, but they're second in points. So the special teams is obviously helping them out to score throughout the season. So
1: also if you run a billion plays.
0: Yeah, that helps That too. might lower your yards for play. Yeah. All right, who's the player who has to play well for Kansas?
1: Besides Jason Bean,
0: yeah, um,
1: maybe Devin Neal. I'm gonna say Devin Neal. Why not? Give him a chance to have a good game. And then I think defensively, I don't want to say Lonnie Phelps because it's kind of basic, but yeah, I mean, he mentioned we had him his audio from earlier this week. He sounds like he's fully healthy. Like, what? Yeah, Lonnie Phelps.
0: Yeah, I think that's a good one there. Uh, I'll go with I'll. I'll just to to bookend the idea of... The, you know what? No. I'll, I'll go a little different there. I was going to say Jeremy Robinson. Um, I'll say that one of the linebackers has to... So I don't know who it is. I'll just go with, like, Rich Miller to help stopping that run. Or you could say but Marvin Grant. Yeah, yeah, that would work, too. I, I also, though, think a majority of that load could be on the interior of the defensive line to allow the linebackers to roam free, so maybe you'd take one of them. And then offensively... Um, I do think KU's going to have to hit a couple big plays on the outside to, to push back the defense to open up the running game a little bit. So I'm tempted to go Lawrence Arnold or Quentin Skinner. And I think yeah, Quentin, Quentin Skinner's Skinner could, from Oklahoma, so Quentin maybe Skinner this uh, could, revenge game. He could use
1: a bounce-back game also after yeah the two a couple of fumbles against Baylor.
0: Yeah, and I could also see Mason Fairchild playing well. I also I, I mentioned this a couple of weeks ago. Uh, Jared Casey's two lowest snap counts of the season this year have been the last two games outside of the, the Tennessee Tech game. Um, So I don't know if that was something where it was just, KU has all these receivers back, and so you're just playing less personnel with two tight ends. I don't know if that was something where he was dealing with an injury, where he was playing through it, but it was limiting him a bit. But I would just imagine you need more from, uh, you want a bigger snap count, so he could have a big impact if you're trying to run the ball and whatnot. Yeah, especially in the run game, yeah. All right, uh, this is Rock Chalk Sports Talk. We're going to take a timeout. When we come back, we've got our KU basketball talk from uh, the game last night against Pittsburgh State. Brian Haney joins us at the top of the 4 o'clock hour. This is RCST. Kansas City Chiefs have the Sunday night foosball game against the Tennessee Titans. We'll pick uh, against the spread as part of our... Game picks uh, later on, and the Chiefs are giving up twelve and a half points. Certainly, a big spread there against uh, the not Titans. Enough.
1: Actually, I have a take about this game. I'm
0: okay, I'm going to tell
1: you, I'm, I'm going to paint the picture exactly for how this game is going to go. Ready? I've gone into the future and I've seen how this game is going to go. The Chiefs are going to dominate this game. Dominate in every facet of this game. They're going to dominate, and they're going to win twenty to seventeen. <laughs> they're going to dominate. I mean, dominate the Titans. Destroy them. Offense, defense, everything. And the Titans are going to miss a field goal with 3 seconds left to try to tie it, and the Chiefs are going to win 20 to 17. <laughs> That's what's going to happen.
0: I think that so that, weirdly enough, there have been a couple teams that have just given the Chiefs as a franchise and or Andy Reid trouble. Like the Colts have just given the Chiefs problems, and then the Titans have just given Andy Reid problems. And Titans are five and zero, oh, I think, against the Chiefs in
1: their last uh, five games. Is that right? No, that can't be right. Well, if doing, it counts, the the, be him in the AFC title
0: game. I just say if it counts the postseason, then no. But if it's just the regular season, that could be. Um, I don't know, but Derrick Henry is is on a heater right now, and we'll see. The Chiefs rush defense against like the Raiders got exposed a little bit. Now you have Willie Gay back. You, you were getting exposed a little early in the San Francisco game, but. Uh, that ended up not really coming to a head. The big thing for the Titans in this game is Ryan Tannehill might be out. He was out last week. Malik Willis came in, and they didn't really trust him with anything. He had 55 passing yards, and they still beat the Texans. All right, the
1: Chiefs, uh, yeah. The Titans are, f- yep, they are five and zero against the Chiefs in the last five games. Uh, That's that, not in the, in the regular season. Yeah, yeah. In regular season. So they beat them 27 to three in 2021 last year. Then they the Chiefs beat them in the. Uh, in 2020, before in the playoffs, Titans beat the Chiefs 35-32 in 2019. In 2018, they beat him 22-21. In 2016, they beat him 19-17, and in 2014, they beat him
0: 26-10. And Andy Reid, if I I remember right, I don't know if this is still a stat, but I remember there being a stat that like it's the worst <laughs> record among any team that he has coached against. So that even goes back really? to his time with the Eagles. So I don't know what it is. Something about the Titans. Mike Vrabels had good game plans. Uh, whatever it is, but yeah, if Ryan Tannehill's out, it's just it's tough to see the Titans putting up enough points here. Like if Malik Willis is the quarterback, yeah. and they don't trust him. They might put up ten points, thirteen points. The Titans are on a five-game
1: win streak, but they are fraught, and I'm going to okay. tell you why.
0: You ready? Well, this ready goes back these? to something we talked about. I think it was earlier this or last week that. They are like the the, the best, best of the teams. worst. Yeah. yeah. Or the, or or the worst of the best. best. Yeah, they just win plays. games. They take care of business against bad All right, teams. So but. they are 5-2. and two. They're on a five-game win streak.
1: Here are the five teams they have beaten on their five-game win streak. The Raiders. Mm-hmm. The Commanders.
0: Commanders, the, possible
1: the, playoff team. The Colts, twice. Colts, possible playoff team. And the Texans. Those are the five wins they
0: have. The Raiders, the Commanders, the Colts, twice. And the Texans, then I'm supposed to believe that this is a good team at I, five and two? Couldn't we do this with like every NFL team though? What? No. I kind of think at the Chiefs could. wins. The Chiefs wins are way better. Are they?
1: Yes. The Chiefs have beaten the Niners,
0: who are four and they
1: four. The Same right here as the Commanders, <laughs> the Cardinals. They beat the who else have they beaten? The Raiders.
0: <laughs> You're uh, not doing yourself many favors. How many? Who else have they? I can't even. The remember
1: Buccaneers, who, the, who have been terrible. The Bucks. And what's the Chargers? Okay, the Chargers. Yeah, no, that's way better than the Is Raiders, it? Commanders, Colts, and
0: I Texans. think you could do this with any. Te- Give me a random NFL team. Uh, that's like five and two,
1: or has a lot of wins. Sure. Yeah. Let's see. Who's five and two? Or six and two?
0: Uh, not the Titans. Let's go with the Minnesota Vikings. How about that? Okay. Look at the Vikings. All right. The Minnesota Vikings are six, six and one. one right? Six and one. I couldn't remember if they were seven and one. All right. The Vikings have beaten. The Packers who stink. <laughs> okay. The Lions who stink. Lions could be six and one. The Saints who are not good. The Saints are bad. The Bears. They okay. won at Miami, but it was without Tua. Okay. And then the Cardinals. There's not okay. like <laughs> the, I, the, I I think basically what I'm boiling is down to is so everyone's frogs. Yes, because there's only there's only what we we basically have deemed. Kansas City and Buffalo to be good in the AFC, and we've deemed, like, Philadelphia and maybe Dallas or Minnesota in the NFC. So that's only five teams that you can play right now where it's <laughs> counted as, like, a good win. That's but, not true. The Chargers is a good win for the Chiefs. That's Yeah, that's fair. But... I, I do understand what you're saying. I just given you a little bit of a hard time and we can't, we not okay, do but, that in the Okay, NFL. How about but okay. I think no, you're no, 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 right. you all right. right. To further drive just home that it's it's not just that they've they've those are the teams they've beaten. A lot of those are games they probably should have or could have lost.
1: To further drive home that point, their largest win of those 5 games, 9 points. 4 of those 5 games were one possession games.
0: Yeah, they almost got the Texans against sneak back against crap teams. Um, against crap teams. The Commanders probably should have won. They had a first and goal, I think, at the three. The Raiders also four. arguably should have won. I don't remember what happened the Tex, in that against one. the Titans. I want to say one of the Colts ones, they almost beat them, too. I don't know. So, yeah. It, They're frauds. It's just they have done oh, so well yeah. against the they Chiefs. They are you know? frauds.
1: Okay. Counterpoint again. Mm-hmm. Chiefs coming off a buy. Andy Reid is That's 1 true. billion and 2. He's coming 20, 20 off and a 3. Bye.
0: He's 1 billion and 2 <laughs> coming off a bye. Trent McDuffie gonna be back McDuffie's for the Chiefs. Back. Although, is Trent McDuffie being back actually does that, does that help them in any way in this game? They're just gonna be uh, running the football. Yeah, you know? guess, it's not yeah. like they have AJ Brown. They don't anymore. have AJ Brown. I don't. I mean,
1: who? Who? They don't have Trayvon Burks either. He got hurt. Right? Yeah, he's hurt. So he's on IR. I don't even know who their receivers are.
0: That's a fun game. Name the Tennessee Titan wide receivers. <laughs> I don't think I could think of one. Oh, Robert Woods isn't Robert oh, yeah, Woods yeah, yeah, there yeah. now? Robert Woods is on my fantasy team. Oh yeah, I need
1: Robert Woods.
0: Is he do doing well? well? Um, I don't think he is.
1: He's doing okay. Let me let me look. Let me pull up. Let me pull up Robert
0: Woods. This a that could be a fun trivia show. Name any receiver outside Robert of Robert Woods. Woods.
1: Okay, Robert Ex- Woods. Traylon Burks has been doing pretty bad recently in fantasy. Hey, Chris Conley. I oh yeah, they signed, signed back Chris Collins. Uh, no, he was he, he did sign back with the Chiefs, and then he was the No, 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 he was on the practice squad. So Uh-oh. there's like that thing where you can sign. I don't
0: know how it works. Okay, here's the group of receivers: Chris Conley, Des Fitzpatrick, Cody Hollister, Mason Kinsey. These are not real people. Racy McMath. What? Kyle no. Phillips, Nick Westbrook, Rakeeny, and Robert Woods. You disagree? <laughs> I disagree. Racy McMath is not a real person. <laughs> I disagree.
1: Okay, Robert Woods in his last three fantasy games. points, 4.1 points, 1.6 points.
0: So not great. (laughs) So bad,
1: which is reflected in the fact that my fantasy team sucks.
0: (laughs) Are you taking the uh, McCole Hardman touchdown this game? It's plus 295 on DraftKings. Oh. Which, by the way, this is wild. Kadarius Toney, they announced, or Indy Reid announced today he's going to play. Didn't say to what degree. I can't imagine it's that much. Probably a handful of snaps. Yeah. Kadarius Toney... Is plus two seventy five to get a touchdown, McCollum? Wow, two ninety five. The disrespect, yeah.
1: The disrespect for McCole Hardman.
0: Holy smokes, that's bad. I think you got to take it at that point. Wow, that is bad. The over under rushing yard total for Derrick Henry is eighty six and a half. If that goes under, and they have questions about passing game, the Chiefs are going to win this by thirty points. I'm, t- I, I'm just listen. The way that I Titans don't know how this, many
1: times I have to explain this to you. Derrick the Henry Chiefs rushes for one fifty. Are 150. going to dominate they're going to absolutely crush the titans it's going to be a no contest and they're going to win 24 to 20 well i don't know what else i have to tell you <laughs> it's going to be they're going to dominate them they're going to absolutely crush them and then uh, malik willis is going to have the ball with like 2 minutes left to try to win the game and he's going to throw an interception or something and the chiefs are going to win but it's going to be twenty-four to twenty-one.
0: Well, you know what's crazy is because of the spread being this big and it feeling like oh, Ryan Tannehill could be out. It feels like it is such a big difference. Patrick among Mahomes teams. is going
1: to throw for seven hundred yards. <laughs> He's going to have you know a bunch of crazy Patrick Mahomes plays. You could make a five-minute highlight reel of all of his, uh, you know, no look behind-the-back left-handed passes. He's going to absolutely just completely eviscerate the Titans' defense, and the Chiefs are going to win twenty
0: to seventeen. Mm. You know what's wild here though. What's that? Despite all those things, the Titans are right now the two seed and the Chiefs are the three seed. <laughs> well, then the Chiefs really need to win this game. Then. I know, right? So this is actually a very big game as you'd imagine on Sunday night football. Uh we'll we'll do a little more talk on this when we get to our game pick segment. One hour down, two to go. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Uh, If you're looking for the perfect destination for your next social or corporate gathering, venue 1235, a large climate-controlled event space with a catering kitchen, private suite, and a covered patio has you covered. Located right off I-70 and five minutes from downtown Lawrence. Brian Haney, voice of the Jayhawks, joins us next. This is RCST. (laughs) Welcome back into Rock Chalk Sports Talk. Derek Johnson with Nick Springer, and normally joined on a Thursday, but this week a little bit weird. Obviously, the basketball game last night, so we get a special Friday edition of Brian Haney, the voice of the Jayhawks, here on Rock Chalk Sports Talk. And you know, last night against Pitt State, it's just an exhibition game, so it's hard to have too many overarching takeaways but still it's the first piece of the puzzle the first time we get to see some of these players and whatnot and obviously it was a slow start for KU but when they turned it on they really turned it on what was your biggest takeaway from the game last night into trying to figure out what this Kansas team is going to be
2: well I think anytime you've got early season action with so many hyped and you know talented pieces coming in that everybody's buzzing about, like Grady Dick or Kevin McCullough, Ernest Uday. You want to see what those guys can bring. And while we didn't get to see MJ Rice because of a lower back issue, hopefully he's back real soon, we did get to see Grady flash all of the potential that we've been hearing about. And, you know, obviously we knew he was a great three-point shooter coming in. We've talked so much about that on recent reports, his high release point, his quick trigger, his fearlessness, the confidence, all of that. You saw that on display, but I like seeing him out in transition making some plays, diving on the floor to force a tie-up. There's aspects of his game that are still developing on the defensive end of the floor, and things are going to make him a more complete player before it's all said and done. But I thought he showed up a lot, uh, more so than just simply the the three-point stroke that we've been hearing so much about in the preseason. And then Kevin McCullough, he's credited with five steals and two blocks. He had a hand in two or three other plays where a teammate got the steal, but he was right there contributing, hounding, being a pest, or as Greg Gurley likes to say, a fly in the ointment. We knew this guy, a two-time all-league defensive team you know, type player at Texas Tech, we knew he was going to bring a lot defensively, but man, was he disruptive and also made some nice plays on the other end of the floor. So I was most pleased to see those two guys you know, moving off the game. And then Ernest and Zuby, like we've told you, they're going to kind of go back and forth, and they, they do slightly different things. Um, Ernest is just an unbelievable alley-oop lob when you look at his wingspan and his catch radius and his athleticism at 6'11". But Zuby's going to bring a lot to the fold, too. Tremendous athlete. I, I like some of his interior post moves to be just a little bit more advanced right now than Ernest, but I think in both cases, very capable guys that are only going to get better as time goes on, and so we saw a little glimpses of that as well. And then you wanted to see how some of the returning players have improved. And clearly there were plenty of flashes of that too. 10 assists for Juan Harris. Jalen Wilson shakes off an 0 for 4 start to wind up going for 23. And I think uh, when it's all said and done, even though we were down 12 nothing and trailed by 15 early, like I told folks on the broadcast, if you're, you're a Pitt State fan in the building right now, take a picture of the scoreboard up 12 zip because this, uh, Doesn't often happen, may never happen again, and it's certainly not going to last very long. But the good news is our Jayhawks got popped in the mouth, and and they were able to rise up above that, tighten the screws defensively, slap on some full-court pressure, which they hadn't worked a ton on, and yet it looked really good. And then, obviously, when you've got David versus Goliath and a Cinderella team, the clock's going to strike midnight eventually, and our talent and athleticism, I think, wore them down. The early in that second half. So a lot of good takeaways and uh, a lot to build off of as well. And I think we also, you know, to be realistic and constructive, we saw why Bill Self has cautioned that it's going to take a while with, with a team that's replacing so much. But the good news is I like how he's restocked the shelves. I like what we're replacing all those guys with. It's just a situation of getting some of these newcomers a little more seasoning and, and settling in to the real game experience.
0: Yeah, and and who knows? Maybe it's a, a team that does take some lumps early in the season, and then by the time we get to Big Twelve play, all of a sudden some of these players and, and things are clicking. I I thought what was really interesting to me, I, I made a comment to a friend that, um, you know, this would be like an elite Bob Huggins pressing team with the their ability to, you know, Dewan Harris and Kevin McCuller getting in passing lanes, uh, just stripping the ball away from the opposing team. Like this team is going to be really good in those situations. I think we saw that last night, Um, but I do have questions about the shooting. That would be probably my biggest question going forward, which I think is probably why the Grady-Dick, I don't know, it's hard to say it's a breakout game in an exhibition, but the way that he played, it's hard not to view that and go, man, this kid looks ready. Because I even remember uh, like Josh Jackson in his exhibition game, I want to say had a tough game, had a lot of turnovers, didn't shoot it well, and that obviously didn't translate into how good of a freshman season he had. So, to have that type of performance in your first game, I think just means even more to me that, yeah, you're ready right off the bat.
2: Yeah, no doubt. He's got a big time mindset. And, hey, any high school senior that's posing on the red carpet at the ESPY Awards, uh, you know, he, he's not afraid of the bright lights of the big stage, right? He, he's lived a pretty big time lifestyle the last couple of years with all the hype he's gotten as a two-time Kansas State player of the year and national player of the year from Gatorade as well. And consequently, um, it wasn't going to take him much to you know, settle in and, and uh, understand that the stage is, is just fine in terms of the magnitude of the moment and all that. Now, there will be much bigger challenges in acclimating to life as a targeted D1 basketball star. Just wait a couple weeks and we go play Duke in Indianapolis in an NBA arena it, it gets tougher in that regard. But I think Brady has, Brady has embraced, I should say, um, you know, the pressure, the hype, the extra attention, everything that's come with him being such a, uh, a preseason celebrated player that, uh, you know, is coming off a well-decorated high school career, highly touted recruitment, and now you know, wants to back it up. And, you know, I, I don't think there was a whole lot of, thought that went into not starting him last night but Bill Self said, hey he's a starter at Kansas, we just didn't start him tonight. And I think we all saw he kind of solidified that with his performance. So, I, I know early afternoon they had not figured out who they were going to start uh, prior to shoot around and then they kind of made that decision after the fact. But Grady's uh, a guy that I think is going to play major, major minutes and uh, you know be a guy that does a lot of the heavy lifting for us. There will be nights where he's the leading scorer. There will be plenty of nights where he's the Robin to Jalen Wilson's Batman, and, and Kevin McCullough's right there with him as well, but those are your three most proven options in that regard, and the fact that he can jump into the deep end of the pool right away and not bat an eye shows a lot about his confidence, mental toughness, and ability to handle the pressure.
0: We're talking with Brian Haney, the voice of the Jayhawks here, of course, You can also hear the football game against Oklahoma State tomorrow right here on KLWN and our sister station 105.9 KISS with kickoff at 2.30. Obviously, the the big headlines coming into this one is who's going to play at quarterback for both teams. And it just seems like the common theme for KU of late has been, well, uncertainty of who they're playing against at quarterback and maybe playing a team who's coming off a a tough loss in, in some way or another um, when you look at this one, what sticks out to you about this matchup for the Jayhawks against the Cowboys, and what does KU have to do well to get back to their winning ways?
2: Well, it, it sounds like it's uh, the easy answer, but it's so true. we got to start better. Coach Leifold said that repeatedly. He wants to see this team play all four quarters, not just come alive at halftime or, or finally get it rolling You know, 20 minutes into the game. And that's not to say you can't win with a slow start, but knowing that Oklahoma State's going to come in smarting from last week's 48 to nothing shellacking at K State, knowing that they're going to come in chomping at the bit to try to stay ranked and, and uh, prove that, that that was a one week fluke, you got to hit them early, too. And, and I do think if it's a situation where Spencer Sanders is out, and, and who knows about the availability of the Kansas quarterback regardless, we've got the advantage, because even if it's Jason Bean, uh, you look at what he's been able to do in the last 10 quarters filling in for Jalen Daniels, while it hasn't always been pretty, he's also had some really impressive drives, incredible throws that went for touchdowns, and when you compare that to Gunnar Gundy and what Oklahoma State has backing up Sanders, that's an obvious advantage for Kansas. So, Don't know the status of Jalen Daniels yet. Don't know if you know, it's, it's a situation where he could be mixed in a little bit uh, as opposed to just you know starting and going the whole way. But I know this. Even though he's been practicing the last couple of weeks, they're going to be very careful with Jalen Daniels and make sure he's fully ready to not just come back and throw passes but you know, withstand the pounding that comes with being a quarterback that probably would run a little less coming off the injury. But that's what made him so dynamic prior to the injury what's his dual drag capabilities, and uh, they want to make sure he's ready you know, before they fully unleash him. So we'll see what it looks like, but he has been practicing, as we know, going back a couple of weeks now, and um, the remarkable recovery he's made in just four weeks' time since the injury, to even be in the conversation to possibly play tomorrow really speaks volumes to his toughness, uh, how much work he's put in daily, in the physical therapy and, and working with the Kansas strength coaches and doctors to get back. But, but also the fact that, that we've got a really good Kansas team health staff that's working with these guys to, to give them the best possible chance to be at their best when the duty calls for it. So I think it's truly, you know, and it sounds cliche, but it truly is a game time decision and not just a game day decision as to how much, if any, he'll be able to go. And, and we'll see, but you know, they both been getting reps in practice and you're preparing both guys just in case. So I look forward to seeing what that looks like tomorrow. Uh, But I really am impressed with all Jalen's done to put himself in position to be in the conversation to possibly play.
0: When I look at certain things that could really determine KU's success in this game, I I go back to the Oklahoma game and and some of their struggles that they had against the tempo that OU played. And OU, as fast as they played in that game, Oklahoma State actually averages more plays per game. I think they're fifth in the country in plays per game. Oklahoma's 20th. Obviously, Texas Tech, you play next week, is first in the country in that regard. So uh, coming off the bye week, well, we'll see how much that impacts things. And then if Oklahoma State doesn't have Spencer Sanders, and even if they do – uh, they're going to obviously try to establish the run which they haven't done as well as maybe some past Oklahoma State teams and we've seen Kansas go from looking pretty good in that regard defensively the first five or six weeks to struggling the past couple of games uh, what sticks out to you in this matchup and and what does Kansas have to do well uh, to get a win
2: well I, I think you mentioned trying to bottle up the run game and, and they're obviously dealing with some injuries at running back, but hopefully we get Dominic Richardson back They missed the K-State game, but they've got a bevy of talented backs, and they've got some really impressive big play receivers, too, and hopefully Kobe Bryant's back for Kansas. He's been practicing this week, and you know we'll see if he's at 100% or, or what he's able to bring, because not knowing who the quarterback's going to be, but knowing whoever it is, they've got some really impressive pass catchers that are amongst the nation's leaders in yards per catch, in terms of like the explosive plays, and and uh, you look at a guy like Brayden Johnson, number 15 in the country at 20 yards per reception. I know it didn't look great necessarily with Gunnar Gundy back there uh, versus Kansas State at times, but if, if he's had a full week of knowing that he's possibly going to be the guy, I would imagine he'd be a little bit more settled in, not nearly as, as shaky as we saw him last week. And, and he's got weapons to throw to. So whether it's you know, stopping the ground game, but they'll probably lean on a little bit more, or being protective of a deep ball explosive, Cowboys have proven to be so good at. Um, I think the Kansas defense is in a better position to be more stout this week because we're going to be closer to home. And uh, you know, if you also look on the other side of the ball. I think Luke Grimm comes back for Kansas after missing the Baylor game, and th- those were the types of injury situations that were more uh, somewhere between day to day and week to week, honestly, uh, as opposed to longer term injuries like Heisha or you know, you don't know the status of Jalen Daniels just yet, but. I think it helps getting both of those guys back because whoever our quarterback is, Luke Grimm is such a great possession receiver, trustworthy guy on third down to make that play over the middle, to know where the sticks are at. He's going to help a ton. and Obviously, uh, when you've got weapons like Arnold and going deep downfield, the Clinton Skinner, whoever the quarterback is for Kansas, yeah, they're, they're going to have their full complement, which is nice. So I'd like to see us take advantage of some of our guys who've gotten a little bit healthier. And, and hopefully if there is, a key loss or two on the Oklahoma State side in terms of injury and unavailability, which we're anticipating, uh, that Kansas can capitalize on that as well. But like we said, a fast start is paramount. It'd be nice to play from out in front, put the pressure on them. And if there is a a backup quarterback in there for Oklahoma State, make him play from behind and have to air it out and and get Lomit Phelps' turn. loose. Hopefully he's fresher and ready to be disruptive. He's he's still amongst the conference leaders and and respected nationally at .75 .75 sacks per game, but he's fallen off the pace a little bit in recent weeks. and Maybe this is a week where you can rattle the cage of the backup a little bit and, and force them to be in passing down scenarios and, and passing drive scenarios because Kansas has you know, a solid margin of lead there. So that, that would be my hope for this KU team. But I also hope that with some of the, the bad weather getting out of our system today, Uh, and and a little bit better forecast shaping up for tomorrow than what we initially thought at the start of the week. I hope we've got a great 12th man out there. It was three straight sellouts prior to losing our first game and losing our quarterback, and I know it's been a month since our Jayhawks have been at home, but man, show up, be loud and proud, know that we're knocking on the door of our first bowl game since the inside bowl of 2008, and part of getting us there is having a raucous home field advantage. And I love the story that Lance Bipole told at the start of the week, saying that there was an opponent in, in the midst of that three-game homestand that admitted to one of his assistants that, gosh, we didn't think we had to worry about crowd noise in Kansas, so we didn't prep for it, and it wound up biting us in the butt. Let's hope the Kansas fans can be that type of difference maker tomorrow as well. and Let's hope it's a, it's a big party on Mount Oread and down to Mass Street and all places in between because Kansas got its sixth win. And Lance Leipold's Jayhawks are bold eligible. Wouldn't that be something special to celebrate? Uh, to have that, you know, tucked away before hoop season officially tips off on Monday, man, what a way to start the month. So let's hope that's right there for the pick and tomorrow.
0: Well, uh, I don't know if you've had a chance to, to look over some names of the week. I do have a couple uh, that I can toss at you, though.
2: Well, you were great last week, you know, in preparing us for Magic Reliford who ended up being a great player on top of a great name last night for Pitt State. Uh, and I wish we, we would have had the episode yesterday, but thanks for being flexible with my schedule because we could have talked about all the great names that Pitt State had. But the one that I picked out on my own for Oklahoma State, and he's not going to get in a ton. He's, he's one of their long snappers, and he's a walk-on. But you know me, I'm a big memorabilia collector, and I'm an autograph guy. And anybody with three Z's in their name (laughs) has to have a cool John Hancock. And I'm talking about Zeke Zaragoza. Mm. Just imagine those three Z's and the symmetry as he makes these big swooping Z's in his signature. Zeke Zaragoza. How cool would that be to sign that autograph after every game? Not that the rotating long snapper signs a ton of autographs, but you know what I'm saying. Zeke Zaragoza, that's my guy this week. Who do you got?
0: Well, I so I mean Gunner Gundy, just to begin with, I me and Nick were having this conversation earlier this week that um, I've never met someone named Gunner who wasn't just like a great athlete. So uh, maybe if you just name your kid that, they're just they're destined for stardom. Um, but the other two that I have on here, I have Lyric Rawls. I haven't seen somebody with the name Lyric before, but you can I don't know use certain plays off of that, like the lyric of of music played to the beat of the defense, whatever it is. And then uh, I just, I, I went with DeKelvion Beeman just because of the, mainly the last name. I mean, I, I haven't seen a DeKelvion before, but uh, Beeman, it just, uh, uh, any given Sunday, Willie Beeman. So you got the little uh, relation right. there.
2: Deeman, Willie Beeman. I, I don't know if uh, DeKelvion has to blow chunks before every game like <laughs> and Willie Beeman did to kind of get the nerves calmed down and everything out of his system. But, but yeah, whenever I think of Beeman and football, I think of that, same amazing movie, and and maybe the greatest motivational locker room speech on the big screen of of any piece of cinematography, uh, cinematography sports-wise. Did I say (laughs) cinematography? I I must be hungry. Uh, It's that time (laughs) of year, lots of
0: cinnamon and and stuff.
2: There there is, yeah, no doubt. I got some lattes. Mm -hmm. But in terms of sports cinematography, is there a better pregame motivational locker room speech than Al Pacino? talking about that one-inch, mm-hmm. that one-inch. You know, and you see <laughs> athletic departments all around the country sample that for so their hype videos. So, I mean, that was, that was part of the video down in New Orleans to get our guys hyped up for the national championship. And So uh, I, I think uh, and Willie Beeman is a terrific reference. And any given Sunday, a very underrated movie on the list of greatest football movies of all time.
0: Totally agree with you on both of those. Well, Brian, appreciate the time as always. And uh, before we let you go, a word from Nate Miller
2: the Jayhawks have made their game plan to try to get that sixth win tomorrow, you can make yours for the most profitable financial future with Nate Miller and the Miller Retirement Group. Check them out today at MillerRetirementGroup.com. They'll sit down with you, take a look at your current investments, get you lined up for the most profitable and stable financial future possible for you. Miller Retirement Group. Check them out today. Have a great weekend. Maybe uh, you know, swing by Starbucks, get a movie, have some cinematography <laughs> with your wife tonight, and uh, I will look forward to talking to you next week, my
0: friend. Uh, Brian, appreciate the time as always, man. See you, buddy. Brian is a paid spokesperson, not a client. Brian does not endorse, and all individuals should make their own evaluation of the firm's investment advisory and insurance services. Investment advisory services offered only by duly registered individuals through AE Wealth Management LLC. That was Brian Haney, voice of the Jayhawks, joining us here on Rock Chalk Sports Talk. One hour down, two to go with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. This is FM one one seven and thirteen twenty KLWN. Coming up at the four o'clock hour, we got our Chiefs preview, game picks, and we got a bunch of audio to get to you from last night, Bill Self and the players meeting with the media after the game. This is is RCSD. And this is Rock Chalk Sports Talk about half past the hour. We've got some Bill Self audio coming later in the hour here with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson, and we have our game picks for the week. Nick is 40, 49, and 1. If you include the locks, he's 47, 57, and 3. I am 43, 46, and 1, or with the locks, 49, 57, and 1. And we'll start in college football where Nick is 22 and 28 you went 9 and 1 between the NFL and college football the week before last week you went 2 okay. and 8 is that true did i actually go on 5 yeah you went 0 and 5 in college football i i i you you
1: obviously tabulate some of this stuff so i don't always to do, attention. but, but I, I guess i have to trust if you're you. accusing me of cheating i literally put the segment up on the podcast i'm not go accusing about, you go go of anything i'm just saying like I was just questioning, did I really go 0-5? <laughs> yes, yes. Am I that bad?
0: 22-28, uh, and 28, though, on the season. The sad part is you went 0-5, I went 3-2, and 2, and now we still have the same record. So that tells you how bad I was doing um, before last week. <laughs> okay, first up, this one's tonight. Number 23, Oregon State at Washington. The Huskies are giving up four points. Yeah,
1: I'm going with Oregon State here. I think Oregon State's the more consistent team. Like, Washington... They they've been kind of up and down. At like at one point we were talking about Washington as being a dark horse cultural playoff candidate when mm-hmm. they started the season like 5 and 0. And then they got beat by UCLA and then they've lost a couple other games too. They struggled against Cal. I think they ended up they ended up winning against Cal, but it was kind of an ugly game. I think this will be another ugly game. By the way, the weather forecast for Seattle, a whole lot of rain and a whole lot of wind.
0: Yeah, so I'm, they're going to be what? I'm I'm surprised you didn't use this for your lock of the week, the under on this. Oh, no, I decided not to, but um, but yeah, it's supposed to be the weather's supposed to be
1: crappy uh, in Seattle and I think Oregon State's the more consistent team. I don't know if they'll win, but I think they'll lose by less than four. But they might win.
0: Yeah, that's something that I'm I'm struggling with that I, I think Washington wins the game, but I could see it being close, especially if it's an ugly game and it ends like six to two or something. I don't know. But I, I'm just gonna go Washington. Um, I think they have more offense. Oregon State's defense has been pretty good. I think these are two pretty close teams. I'll just go with the home team. Number one, Tennessee at number three, Georgia. The Bulldogs are giving up eight. Man, this is tough uh, because I think the line
1: when Tennessee played Alabama was around this number two. I think it was nine or something like that or around the same number. So clearly there's still some questions about Tennessee, even though they are number one in the country. I'm gonna go with Tennessee here. I think I don't know that they again I don't know that they're gonna win, but this to me this this has to be a close game, right? So I'm gonna go with Tennessee covering the eight points.
0: Yeah, I think they're good enough to keep it close. I I don't know. I just I, I don't know which side to pick, so what I'm gonna do for this one is that uh this is the most bet team Tennessee is. Really? Uh of any team right now in Vegas. So you're gonna you're going against the public. I'm, I'm going against the public. Give me Georgia. Man, Number six, Alabama, minus 13 and a half at number 10, LSU. Alabama is going to absolutely smoke
1: LSU. I see no no possible scenario where this game is within 25 points. I think Alabama wins by 100. UCLA, or not UCLA, LSU, they're number 10, but that's just a boosted CFP fake ranking. <laughs> just, uh, and now Alabama's going to move to like yeah, fourth. The college football yeah. playoff committee is fake. They, <laughs> they just made this up to make it more of a big-time college football game. Alabama's gonna win by 50. Give me the, give me it, Alabama.
0: This this line could be. Double it could be twenty seven and I'm taking Alabama. I have a theory that so when LSU has teams that can win a title, they beat Alabama. When LSU has good teams that can't win a title, they lose big to Alabama. And when LSU has average teams, they almost beat Alabama. Okay, like last year, LSU was not that good. They almost beat Alabama. Okay, right. But then you think back to the like the, the national Euro championship year, they team, won. they beat yep. them. And then the year before, they went to the Sugar Bowl, so good team or, or maybe Fiesta Bowl, good team, but didn't win the title, and they got blown out like twenty nine nothing. That's my theory. Alabama covers the spread. Okay. Texas minus two and a half at Kansas State. I hate this game. I hate it so much,
1: <laughs> and I hate that you put it on here that I have to pick one of these mm-hmm. teams. I'm going to begrudgingly pick Kansas State. That's I don't of think you. Texas is is that good, and I there and Texas is favored. But this, but then again, the fact that Texas is favored makes me feel like it might be a trap line. Like, again, why Why is the home team that's higher
0: ranked? Underdogs. But it's Texas. I know. So I am going to begrudgingly pick Kansas State. And kind of historically, they've struggled against Kansas State, too. So, like, it's not like, I don't know. I'm going Kansas State as well. I guess Vegas might take our money. I hate uh, that. Pick. Number 21, Wake Forest, minus three and a half. At 22nd ranked, NC State.
1: All right, I'm taking NC State here. I I think Wake Forest is the more consistent team. Kind of similar with my Oregon State pick. I think Wake Forest is the more consistent team. I mean, NC State, dude, if you watched the first half of that Virginia Tech game last week, that, that first half set football back like 100 years. It was so bad. It was so bad. It was horrible to watch, and I watched every second of it. And then I watched the second half, and both teams were way better. You know, that's just college football for you. But the point being, I don't think that NC State is going to be able to put together four quarters good enough to to win. So I'm taking Wake Forest here. I think Wake Forest wins.
0: Yeah, I think without Devin Leary, I don't think they can keep up with the Wake Forest offense. Give me Wake, minus three and a half. What is your lock of the week where you are four and five in college?
1: My lock of the week is Oregon, minus 31 and a half at Colorado. Colorado mm.
0: stinks.
1: Did you Phoenix know this? has been insane. Oregon's gonna cover.
0: I saw a stat that I, I didn't actually double check it, so this could be wrong. I just saw it on Twitter. Okay. Bonix has been sacked one time this season. He's been it insane. Wasn't even against Georgia. He's been so good. No, but how about the offensive line? I mean, yeah, yeah, part of that's, that's him like scrambling yeah, away, but yeah. that's incredible. Yeah. Uh I'm just three and six, but Iowa State, who you won on last week hitting Oklahoma, all they do is play close games. So Iowa State's favored this week. I wouldn't be surprised if they win. They're they're playing West Virginia at home. Okay. But if they win, it's going to be a close game, right? You would think maybe, So West yeah. Virginia plus seven. Sure. Why not?
1: On to okay. the NFL.
0: Boom. Battle for New York. Buffalo minus 11 at the New York Jets. Listen, I have been riding with my boys
1: in New York, the Jets and the Didn't Giants. did last week. Every week. The Giants bit me hard. Right? Well, they also Seahawks, right? Yeah. The Giants yes. bit me hard. I don't remember what the Jets did. Regardless, They lost by like nine or 12 to the Patriots? I don't think they covered them. No, Regardless, don't. then,
0: I am going with the Jets. They're not going to win. They're going to cover 11, though. I am going to go with the Bills in this one. Um, I just think that the Jets' offense is going to get stuck in the mud and the Bills are going to be able to put up like 31 points. Uh, even if it's like 24-27, I can see the Jets being held to 10. That's the thing with Buffalo. like They have the number one offense and the number one defense. So I'm going Ooh, Buffalo I'm minus 3. so 11. scared of Buffalo. Minnesota minus three at Washington. It's not a primetime
1: game. You know what that means. Cousins, baby. <laughs> Kirk Patrick
0: Mahomes cousin <laughs> is coming for Washington. Give me Minnesota. Yeah, I'm going Minnesota as well.
1: Um, There's Washington? no better 12 o'clock game quarterback in the history of the NFL than Kirk Cousins.
0: No, and also this is a revenge game for him. Taking oh, Washington. true, yeah, Washington. Although yeah. that does scare me because with a guy like Kirk Cousins, it's not as much revenge game. Sometimes that can be a problem for those guys. It's like the other team gets revenge on you. Okay, maybe I'll go Minnesota though. It's not about L.A. Chargers minus three at Atlanta. No Keenan Allen. For yeah, the Chargers.
1: Keenan Allen got rolled out earlier. Uh, and man, I didn't. I I initially my gut said Chargers, but dude, I don't know, man. The Chargers they they kind of suck, and the Falcons like I don't
0: know. The Falcons they could. Man, this is tough. I'm gonna go with the Chargers, but I don't feel good about it. I'm going to go Atlanta. It's a long way to travel. Your jet lag theory, they're going Oh, west true, east. yeah, they're going west to east. Yep. No Keenan is, is it a 12 o'clock game, though?
1: Because that the uh, the, the jet lag so. theory only holds true if you're playing an early
0: game on the east coast. Yeah, it's a noon, noon game. Okay, so then, yes, yeah, so jet lag theory could come into play. And the Chargers have been horrible with run defense this year. That's like all Atlanta does. Okay, give me Atlanta. I'm gonna stick with my Chargers. Please. L.A. Rams at Tampa Bay, the battle of that great divisional Dude. round game, and now who knows? Neither this might is, make the playoffs. These this are year. two sucky. Are giving up three by the sucky
1: way. Sucky teams. I hate that you put this on here because I don't know what to do with this <laughs> game either. I mean, my God, man, you got Matthew. You got Detroit Lions quarterback Matthew Stafford. He's back for the Rams, and and then you got just. I don't even know what to do. I'm gonna go with the Rams.
0: I I, I mean. Whichever team loses this game, their season's over, right? I think the Bucks still have in the back of their mind that they're in a division that is going to be very winnable. But for the Rams, probably. Uh, especially with the way the 49ers have looked since getting Christian McCaffrey. Um, even though one of those was a loss to the Chiefs. But that's neither here nor there. I'm going to go Tampa Bay. I don't know. Kind of feel the same as you. Don't okay. love it. Tennessee at Kansas City. Chiefs are giving up 12 on Sunday Night Football. All
1: right, I know earlier in the show, I talked about how the Chiefs, we're gonna blow there, we're gonna dominate and then win by three. I'm gonna go against that and pick Kansas City because wow. why not? <laughs> ride ride with
0: the boys. That's your reason. Why not? I love it. Um no, I'm I'm gonna go Tennessee. I, I think something we didn't talk about in the Chiefs, and I don't really want to go like super into this, but how could the Britt Reed stuff not affect you mentally if you're Andy Reid this week? Oh. You know what I mean? Um how could it not? It's your own son going man, to jail. I mean,
1: football players, coaches, man, they're they're built to compartmentalize. I guess. Line,
0: that kind of stuff. I don't know. That's Tom Brady. Has not worked out for him? I know that's well, different. Well, Tom but. Brady
1: sucks. <laughs>
0: uh, so I think that's there. Tennessee's had a lot of success against Kansas City. Derrick Henry has a big game. I think the Chiefs win, but I, I, I'm I subscribing to your notion that it'll be like 20-17 to 17 or something yeah, like that. Yeah, that's
1: probably going to happen, and I'm going to
0: lose this bet, but <laughs> I don't care. Uh, what is your lock of the week where you are three three and two? My lock record? of the week is
1: Seattle plus two and a half at Arizona. I don't really understand why Arizona is favored. Call of Duty's been out now for two weeks. Kyler Murray's probably not watching any film. Uh, I mean, uh, it's at Arizona, but Arizona's bad. Like Seattle, I-, I don't understand this line. I think so. To me, this means Arizona's going to blow them out probably, but I'm going to go with Seattle. Plus yeah, that,
0: that one was. Uh, I was having trouble figuring out that line as well, so I just avoided it. I'm just three and five in locks. Uh, I'm going to go Baltimore, minus two and a half. They're playing on Monday Night Football. I don't think the Saints are very good. Um, I know they just blanked the Raiders, but that probably speaks more to the Raiders than the Saints. I think Baltimore should be able to win this one, and I do think Baltimore is going to go on a run and end up as one of the three best teams in the AFC. So I'll take Baltimore, minus two and a half. That is our Game Picks with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. We're going to take a timeout when we come back. Bill Self spoke with the media after the game. That, next. 5 o'clock hour. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. And coming up on Monday's show, we'll recap whatever goes on over the weekend and uh, look ahead to the Omaha game. Of course, you can hear all your KU action right here on your original home for the Jayhawks with KLWN. We have Lawrence High Football on the road, taking on Derby, looking to take down the uh, nemesis to kind of the Lawrence schools tonight. 6.45 pregame, 7 o'clock kickoff, Matt Llewellyn, Hank Booth on the call down at Derby. Um, Tomorrow, we have our pregame show. Nick Springer, Scott Chasen will be out at Big Mill with the KISS crew. KISS crew will be there noon to 2. You can hear the pregame show from noon to 1 o'clock. Then we have Crimson and Blue show 1 to 2.30, kickoff at 2.30 for KU and Oklahoma State. And then you can hear the Omaha game on on, uh, Monday as well here on KLWN. Okay, we've got some uh, player audio both from basketball and from Devin Neal coming up in our second segment. Here in the five o'clock hour, but first we've got another edition of our sports stock market here on a Friday, as the sports or as the stock market has uh, officially closed. Stock is down on Nelson Cruz. I feel kind of bad about this, just dragging his name in here. Okay. Um, I don't know if you were watching the World Series last night. I was. Chaz That's McCormick made an unbelievable yep. catch. Yeah, for the second out the, out in the ninth inning, uh, crashes into the like fence wall, whatever it is. For the Phillies out there to make the grab and help secure the win for the Astros. I don't know if you remember this. This was back in the uh, 2011 World Series. The Cardinals came back on the Rangers to win the World Series. And there was like two outs in the ninth, and Nelson Cruz got backed up against the, the right field wall. Okay. And instead of like jumping into it and up to make the catch and, and taking a hit, he just like kind of stood there and let the ball hit. Like above his head on the wall. Yeah, and the the Cardinals ended up winning, be- because of it, I think that was in Game Six. Um. So yeah, sorry, Nelson Cruz. Uh, this is this has been a really fun World Series. It, it has three yeah. to two. That game last night was high drama. I I love the MLB playoffs because they are such high drama for everything. Every single pitch feels like it could completely change the outcome. Of the game. By the way, did you see the, the video of the fan? I don't know if this was yesterday or at a different game. I did. The guy out.
1: that he was a Redditor, he went yes. on Reddit and he said, The top comment, I will yell at Rob Manfred,
0: <laughs> And he did. And uh, the comment was, <laughs> which is such a weird way of putting it. Basically, it was getting to a point where it was like, Hey, you want more people to watch you. But the way he it was phrased was, If you want the youths and the blackouts, dumb bleep. <laughs> and he just looks at the video. is fine because he looks over there like, wait, what's going on? And then all of a sudden he gets, he's pissed off and he's like, okay, I don't care. Yeah. But Rob Manfred sucks. So uh, more of that, please. That sucks, Rob Manfred. I'm surprised he's not like in a, like a, I know it was it was like one of those kind of like outdoor suites sort of things where it's like kind of fenced off, but I'm surprised yeah. he doesn't have his own like personal box suite where like well, nobody can interact I've with him. I am thinking about this, like. Is it possible to be
1: a commissioner of a major league and not be hated? That's a good
0: question. Um, like I, I guess a lot of people don't hate Adam Silver. Yeah, Adam Silver's the one. But like every other commissioner, you just have to mm-hmm. be is that just part of the job? I think that is. I mean that's a big reason why they get paid a lot. But like I But think, then in hindsight, I don't feel like anybody's like, Oh yeah. Those you know, Paul Tagley, that guy sucked. No, like in hindsight they're not. after they're done being commissioner. So it's only while you're commissioner, yeah, you get hated. Yeah, but I do think with baseball it, it's beyond that. Like I think with baseball with uh Bud Selig, the fact that he turned the blind eye on the steroid era and then started punishing people for it and now he's in the Hall of Fame, like that does not get looked upon kindly. Uh I think Rob Manfred's the same way. People, so even just, after he's done being commissioner. Because with are Rob hate. Manfred he, he does a lot of things that people hate. <laughs> like you know what I mean. But other but I mean other commissioners do things that people don't like or whatever and it's like but everything then after everything they're with done. Rob Manfred. Okay. I, I do not think you will be looked upon kindly. Okay. But I, I do understand your point, and, and there are certain commissioners where that is very much the case. Uh, but yeah, Astros up three to two. We'll see if they close it out over the weekend. Stock is up on digging yourself a deeper hole. The Brooklyn Nets and the NBA kind of fumbled the initial reaction to the Kyrie Irving stuff to begin with. Yeah. Um then the report came out about them trying to get Ime Udoka, who is the Former head coach for the Celtics, who's serving a one I guess year suspension.
1: Technically he's still the head coach. He's yeah, just he's just serving like
0: a suspension. But I guess they could like trade for him and be like, or like Well, yeah, or like you're just suspended by the team, not by up. us. Yeah, yeah. I don't really know how that would work. Trade like a second round pick for him. I don't know. Remember the Chiefs traded like a third round pick for Herm Edwards? I don't remember that. You don't either. remember that? Yeah, no. they had to trade like a draft pick for him. They might have been even more than that. I don't remember. Man. Uh so Ime Udoka, who is literally suspended for off-the-field stuff. They're like, you know what? Or off-the-court stuff. Uh, we have we don't we don't have enough going on like let let's keep digging the the ditch a little bit deeper and then Kevin Durant made this comment on the suspension of Kyrie Irving and like the ongoings and everything here. It's an unfortunate situation for people that are impacted by this situation. It just sucks all around for everybody. Hopefully, we can move past it. Yeah, that's just the way of the NBA now. Media, so many outlets now, and their stories hit pretty fast now. That's where all the chaos is coming from, from everybody's opinions. Everybody has an opinion on this situation, and we're hearing it nonstop. Okay, I understand what you're saying, but, like, dude, you can't support anti-Semitism and just, like, expect to not have people talk about it. Or you can't, or not even it's like you can't not support it. You can't even... Even, you can't just turn a blind eye. To him. yes, exactly. You can't even you can't just not acknowledge. Him. Yeah, unbelievable. Kyrie Irving, boot him to the sun. I'm done with him in the NBA. <laughs> Kyrie Irving is that guy that
1: is just smart enough to where he thinks he's a genius, but he's really not.
0: No. no, not at all. all right, uh, stock is up on TCU hating the college football playoff committee. If you remember, 2014 yeah, was the year we talked about this yeah. earlier in the week. Yeah, yeah. where they were ranked third headed into the last week of the season, they <laughs> win by like 50 points, and they drop all the way to six and don't make the playoffs. I mean, they're, they're so screwed. TCU screwed unless they go undefeated. Yeah, they are. And even if they go undefeated, I, they might still be screwed. I they come in at number seven in the initial college football playoff rankings and. You look at it and like you look at the resume, their two best wins are better than Clemson's two best wins. Both teams have had a lot of close wins in some of those. Yeah, Clemson's fourth and TCU is seventh. So and it's like Alabama's like, above them. Alabama's above them with one loss. And Alabama's only win against a ranked opponent is Texas. And Texas is barely ranked. Texas probably shouldn't even be ranked. Yeah. So, you know, it's and and they they like basically I, I don't know. I go back and forth on this because when they ask the committee, well, why is Alabama or, or why is TCU ranked lower? And they mentioned the fact that, well, the TCU's defense has given up some some big games and whatnot. And I'm just sitting there like, well, Alabama gave up, what, 50-something to Tennessee? Like, 50, I know Tennessee is really good. Yeah, but 52. That should matter too. Um, but I, I do kind of feel bad at certain points for the committee because when they get asked questions, of, why is this team ranked higher than that team? The real answer is that it's the overall body of work But that's such a cliche and that they're looking at 10 different things and that they're looking at record, head-to-head, better schedule, all these things. But then when they get asked the question about it, they're not going to go through and be like, well, they were better here, here, and here, but they were worse here, here, and here. They're just just going to be like, they'll pick the one reason. I just want one of them to say, dollar sign. Well, and then, and then what's going to happen is people are like, well, that's hypocritical. You have this team ranked here because you said that reason, but then why is this team not ranked higher? And the real answer is that they're just picking one of the multiple reasons of why they're higher. But imagine, so,
1: like they get asked, like, why is Alabama higher than TCU?
0: Yeah. And they just go, dollar sign. <laughs> well, I don't It's just like... It, it, it's a weird love crossover that. because I am personally someone who thinks with with these rankings that it should be about what you have earned, what you deserve to be ranked as. So if that notion, TCU should be kind of in line with, with Clemson. Bring back the but BCS. Also, if if you're playing the game of, well, who do you think would win, you're going Alabama over TCU. And I understand there's kind of a mix of, of the two of those you should be going with. I do think we should acknowledge, because I think sometimes we just get ready to as a sports society get the pitchforks out who are we running for who are we blaming and can we at least realize like come on TCU did win these last whatever four games by playing like injured or backup quarterbacks so like that does matter and if TCU wins out and they go 13-0 and it's going to take care of itself they will be ahead of a one loss Alabama if they go 13-0 and I feel well I don't feel great 100% about it but I feel like they will be in a good position to make the playoff if that happens you would think you would think Uh, Stock is up on being quiet about who's starting at quarterback around the Big 12. We saw it earlier this year, the Dylan Gabriel stuff. Uh, We didn't know how long Quinn Ewers was going to be out for Texas. We saw it kind of with Blake Chapin for the week against Kansas from Baylor. Is he going to be out? Is he going to play? Kansas State this week is not saying who's starting. Whether it's Adrian Martinez or Will Howard. Will Howard's better. I don't understand why they're not saying that. I mean, mum on it. Why? Uh, obviously, Will Howard is better. Really know Jalen Daniels, Jason Bean. We don't really know Spencer Sanders, Gunner, Gundy, or even the third string quarterback. I mean, we have ideas. Like, I think it's going to be Jason Bean. I think it's going to be Gunner, Gundy. I think it's going to be Will Howard, but we don't know. Everybody's being coy about it. So it's the just, most secretive yeah. league in college football <laughs> is the Big 12. Uh, stocks yeah. down on speaking. What's going uh, on did you here? See this? Kanye West. Oh boy! Put, put out a tweet claiming that he's going
1: on a verbal fast, among other things. That actually probably you, needed. What yeah. What do you think a verbal fast entails?
0: Well, oh, I mean, a fast is just a fast. But it's not. Doing this is it, what's obviously. funny. What? Because I I think the better thing he should go for is a verbal strike because a verbal fast like if you're fasting you still eat it's just i think it's sun before sun up well, and but does, after okay, sun does this
1: mean he's not does this mean he's literally
0: not going to speak so he's not going to speak while like, well, the like sun's up he's literally up. not going to say but anything but then as soon as the sun goes down he's going to let everything out would you be able to do that no i mean literally, oh, we literally professionally i'd get fired yeah, I think, we have a job if job that doing. happened so that would not work out That's well true. for me you could pantomime and i would just try to describe <laughs> what <laughs> you're just pantomime. a whiteboard and write it all yeah down. yeah yeah there you go and i could just Type the whole show what I want to say and we could use one of those like text, to you know, talk. automated yeah talkers. That'd be terrible. <laughs> uh, stock is down on bad weather because Guys, well not today, not today, but tomorrow. Yes, it's gonna be great. Mm-hmm. Get your tickets for K football. Come on. Do you At think Kaboosh. it'll be a sellout? Tomorrow. Get out
1: there. I don't know. It's close right now. Supposedly.
0: Mm, I'll say. I don't think it's going to be, yeah, but I it's gonna be close. But, yeah, I think it'll be close but enough dude, that they'll have 60 the 60 degrees, there. sunny. Mm-hmm. It's not an 11 a.m. game. Can make a bowl game. Like, You dude, know what, what's the problem, up. though, honestly? What's, what's the problem? The fact that you're going head-to-head with the Georgia-Tennessee game. Number one versus number three. That doesn't matter. I mean, it matters a little bit. There's going to be some people who are like, you know what? I have a two-TV setup at home. I really want to see the Tennessee-Georgia game. I'll just no. watch both. No. I think that does matter for some. Okay, well, that's lame <laughs> <And> dumb. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it's a good game. Like college football, this, you, this is gonna be a good game. Maybe KU at Oklahoma State going to a bowl. like seven to three. What if they? It doesn't matter if they go to a bowl. If KU wins two nothing, do you think the fans storm gonna be if they win the game? Yes, I mean it'd be a ranked do I opponent. I think they should. I don't. Think I so, am but, always for storming. I don't really care. But, I'm not one of those people. who's like ah, I.
1: Yeah, I'm not gonna. Know. I'm not gonna take a harsh stand one way or the other.
0: I think for making it a bowl game though, if they do storm the field, you got to take down the goalposts. You got to. Okay. And I know for Kansas, it's like, well, wow, that's going to cost us a lot of money. Just do what Tennessee did. They did the uh, GoFundMe they, they for did the, the GoFundMe. Go yeah, I think people would be happy $200 to million dollar athletic department yeah. did the GoFundMe <laughs> me for
1: some for some goal
0: Yep. All right. He is Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. <laughs> that boot. is our sports stock market. This is FM 1017 at 1320 KLWN. We're going to take a timeout. When we come back, we've got... Audio from after the KU basketball game with DeWan Harris, Jalen Wilson, Kevin McCuller. And we've also got some KU football audio with Devin Neal, including giving uh, a nice message to Lawrence High tonight before they take on Derby. This is RCST.